Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Flightcast. If you don't know what Flightcast is, well, let me just go ahead and learn you on what you've been missing. This is an aviation podcast that originally started as a show about the mobile flight sim, Infinite Flight. Now, you can find Infinite Flight in the App Store or on the Google Play Store, just in case you don't have it already. Now, for this episode, joining me in the Flightcast virtual recording booth is Flightcast founder and controller of my bleep button, Jason Rosewell. Jason, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, You've been vacationing this week, haven't you? I have been, and I just want to say thanks for organizing this for me and for preparing such a beautiful intro. I appreciate it. Well, I mean, every now and again, you know, a blind blind hog will find an acorn every now and again. (laughs) It's true. You're welcome. Yo, I was doing uh, something really cool today, actually. Um, Is this going to take long? Mm Mm-hmm. My uh, no, my kids and I are hanging out this week. They're we're having a little daddy daddy time this week, and uh, so we we biked to the beach and did all that stuff. And then uh, at the end of the day, we met uh, my wife Jen at Georgian Bay Airways, which is a little seaplane uh, or float plane place r- r- right at our waterfront, and uh, we did a little fly and dine. Wow. Yeah. So we took off, nice. took off out of the Perry Sound Harbor. And uh, I mean, the flight was super short. Uh, by car, this place is about 30 minutes away that we would have, that we went to. But I think in the air, we were maybe eight minutes. Um, so you're basically on approach as soon as you rotate. <laughs> exactly. They're yeah. like, oh, look, there's our condo. Oh, look, there's this. Oh, look, we're almost there. <laughs> uh, but it was it was a lot of fun, and we had some dinner, and I'll give a shout-out at the for the Ridget Manitou Golf Club, which is gorgeous. And uh, if anyone wants to check out, keep your eye on Instagram and also on you, our YouTube channel. I'm going to put a little... Uh, sort of flight video we had a couple gopros on the on the airplane and we were flying in the five passenger georgian bay airways bushhawk xp which is a five-seater float plane or uh tail dragger and mm-hmm. i've i've been in this thing on skis wheels and floats as it turns out um but yeah it was awesome had a great dinner flew home uh, I met our pilot Sam, who is uh working on putting in hours until he has enough to uh hopefully do some training with uh, an airline, hoping for Air Canada. So we're going to see a little bit from him in this video, and uh, I don't have a date for that video yet, but hopefully in the next couple weeks. Yeah, hopefully, man. That's awesome that you guys got to do that. I'm sure the boys enjoyed it as well. Oh, yeah. It was a blast. Um, I just need a picture so that way Goat can be involved. You know, Goat's got to be there. Oh, definitely. I took a few, so I'll send one to you after this. That'll work. That'll definitely work. Well, you know, your vacation in this week, uh, last weekend, me and uh, me and my son went to Atlanta. Uh, shout out to Stephen for letting us uh, crash down in the basement. Hey, we're going to see Stephen uh, in October again. Yep, yep. He's going um, to produce our uh, Flightcast live episodes from Warbird Weekend at the Atlanta uh, Warbird Weekend. Yeah, at PDK. Yeah, at PDK, and and hosted by the uh, oh, I always forget. Dixie the Wing. commemorative Air Force Dixie Wing. There we go. And yes. Mark, this is really cool. And I'm I I do hesitate to say this slightly, but it, the odds are very good 
that we will actually be talking to some of the surviving Tuskegee Airmen. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm really, uh, really excited about that. And I know uh, your son, Wake Turbulence, is super excited about that as well. Yeah, he's he's extremely stoked. Um, it's it, it it was awesome when we were in Atlanta. You know, we went by uh, the CAF Dixie Wing uh, headquarters, and everybody there was just awesome. I mean, they they took the time. They, you know, explained a lot of the different things. And of course, Matthew being around the Warbirds absolutely was in heaven, which we all were. You get to sit but, in the ball um, turret. Not every day you get yep. to do that. Yeah, he actually got into the B seventeen and B twenty four ball turret. And um, then also got into a tail gunner tor- uh, turret of the B-24 and just had a great time, sat and talked. Um, and one of the guys, you know, shared a lot of history with us. And um, he was a former pilot with TWA. And, man, just and, – and we all learned uh, something that we didn't, you know, know. So it was it was just an overall great time. We'd really only intended to go for about an hour, hour and a half. We were there like – three hours and of course happened to run into um one of the guys that's coordinating everything for us um at the uh, warbird weekend so it really worked out well um for the timing that we were there yeah and uh you're leaving out the best part you got recognized while you were there oh yeah that was even crazy you know i swear i can't go anywhere i know i know i cannot go anywhere but we're sitting there and, you know, we're inside talking and uh, about different things. And, um, you know, I was asking about the uh, the Corsair, which right now is uh, down in Kissimmee with Tom and his crew. And um, uh, we were just talking about that. And I said, yeah, I said, you know, I'm I'm a co-host on uh, on an aviation podcast. And uh, we had Tom on uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then all of a sudden I hear him in the room behind me i'm like i hear are you talking about flight cast are you mark or jason (laughs) and of course you said well jason of course uh yeah uh no i'm like uh i'm mark uh you know i'm i'm the quiet one on the show and so we got to sit and talk with uh chris for a little while and you know get some things lined up um and and more concrete if you will for yeah. uh for Warbird Weekend. So that worked out really well. So cool. I have a question about Warbird Weekend actually, Mark. We we were talking to Tom Richard and he was talking about the uh the Corsair possibly yes. not making it. Possibly the, not making it. Possibly they've making got it, it. They've got it on their website now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean we're and and they said that they're really pushing to hopefully have it there. Okay. Will um, it be Tom be- flying it there? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't talked to Tom about it. Um, I, I need to check with him to see, but, uh, I mean, either way, it'd be great. Of course, you know, it'd be great to have Tom there so he can come by and, uh, be part of the live broadcast. So, um, either way, I mean, they're also going to have, uh, the new plane that they just got done. Um, the, uh, P 63, uh, King Cobra. Yeah. Um, that, um, that they flew up to Oshkosh. So, okay. um, they're going to have all their aircraft there, man. It's just going to be another great time. Hopefully, hopefully it won't be as hot as hell as it was last year, as it was yeah, so man. miserable. Yeah, it has potential to be hot at the start of October, but uh, Stephen's telling me that um, there's a good chance it'll be actually warm and quite comfortable. So we'll see. Stephen probably has or has connections with someone that has a device that can reduce <laughs> so the temperature. True. Yeah. Well, at the very least, he'll be producing the shows. So 
yeah um looking forward to that um yep. so mark this is uh kind of we're 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 it's a little inauspicious we're not making uh you know, too big of a deal about it. We we had our fiftieth episode. That was a good one. That was uh, a real good one. Yeah, that was special. And uh, but we also have another little milestone that we just passed. Do you know what that is? Um, anniversary maybe. We just passed our two year mark the other day. Yes, two years. Isn't that cool? That is. It's crazy, man. <laughs> it's it's cool as hell, but it's crazy. Yeah. I mean. The fact and, that we've been doing this for two years now. And I was just uh I was just thinking, um, you know, there there is the odd time where I think, man, you know, there's a lot going on in life and I don't have a guest lined up for next time and, and whatever and, and you've been very helpful doing that, so thank you. But I well, I thought, you know, maybe, maybe it's the summertime with no problem. We'll just take we'll take an episode off. And you know me, man, I just can't I can't do it. I can't let it happen. And so we've no. gone, we've gone two years now. I'm not missing an episode. And, uh, so nor will I let you let it it's happen. It's true. Yeah, it's true. And this episode's <laughs> a good, uh, good indication of that. But, uh, yeah, man, thanks for two great years. It's been good. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me on here for two great years, man. It's, it's definitely been awesome. And hell now we're getting to the place where, you know, I'm doing a little mini vacay in Atlanta and I, and then I hear you talking about flight cast. Are you Mark or Jason? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean that's just awesome right there. Very so, cool. well, very cool stuff. Happy anniversary, brother. Happy anniversary to you too, man. Um, I think you wrangled some guests for our episode today, did you not? I did, man. I did. And, Let me guess. You know, let's... More Coast Guard. Well, you right. More Coast Guard. <laughs> just kidding. No, I'm I'm excited. This is going to be great. This is like double. You trouble. know what? If you're ever out there stranded. I'm going to be trouble. like, no, uh-uh, just avoid that call. Just yeah. avoid that call. Yeah. No, please don't do that. <clears throat> that Canadian can wait for the ice to, uh, for the waters to ice up and then he could just walk back. That's what we're going <laughs> to let him do. Um, yeah. but anyway, yeah, got? I mean, let's go ahead. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and introduce and, uh, and welcome, welcome the guys. I mean, you know, United States Coast Guard, uh, MH60 pilot and a C-130 pilot walk into a bar. I mean, joining us for today's show. There we go. Um, yeah. So Ryan Webb, he's back from Traverse City because he actually never got off the call from the last show. So he just really stayed on Skype the whole time. That's what that was. That's exactly what it was. That's why he was already there when we got on the call today. Mm-hmm. And then we also have, wait for it, a U.S. Coast Guard C-130J pilot. Gasp. Yes. Zach Bowers. He's joining us from my birthplace and hometown, Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Now, these guys are not only U.S. Coast Guard aviators, but they are great friends as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've learned that more so today, which has been absolutely hilarious. But a big thank you to Ryan for connecting me with Zach. And to invite them on the show. Both are passionate about aviation, obviously, about the Coast Guard, enjoying life, and hell, are very fortunate to have met me. Of so, course. guys, you're welcome. Welcome to the show. Zach, 
Did some did someone just oh, fall for, off? Uh, the chair? Thanks for having me. What was that? <laughs> it almost was perfect. That was the most inauspicious entrance I've ever heard. I know. It's like me walking to a China uh, store or some. You know, I mean, it's just Zach's so nervous that he just fell off his chair. <laughs> oh, wow. sorry, I passed out there for a second. Well, wow. after that intro. That was awesome. Yeah, I mean, should we do that intro again, Jay? Or do we want the, uh, or do we want the, uh, you know, all that sound coming in? That just really, I think it just really amplifies their entrance. I think it was good. Let's carry, let's carry on. Yeah, yeah, let's carry on. Well, guys, welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks for staying on the call from two weeks ago. Thanks for having me back, Mark and Jason. Yep, and uh, thanks for inviting me on as well. Uh, Pleasure to be here. Uh, man, we we're glad that you are here, man. We definitely appreciate it. So, you know, Zach, let's uh, let's go ahead and get started with you, since you know we had Ryan here a couple weeks ago, just kind of a filler, because you know, we needed to put an episode out for you know every two weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. That. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, what got you into aviation, man? Oh well, uh, so as uh, as Ryan, I, I was able to listen to Ryan's podcast. It was awesome a couple weeks ago. And, uh, like him, I started aviation at a, a very young age. Uh, I kind of always was passionate about aviation. You know, as a little kid having like toy planes and stuff around, uh, making airplane noises while well, I still make airplane noises, but, uh, um, as a kid and, uh, I grew up in Sacramento, California and, uh, early in, uh, in elementary school, we moved kind of out to the outskirts of uh, Sacramento a little bit out to an area called Wilton. And uh, there ended up being a small airport there that uh, kind of had a just weekend warrior flying club, um, you know, gaggle of guys that uh, enjoy flying planes on the weekends, you know, going and getting the $100 hamburger. And uh, my dad uh, told me, he said, hey, you ought to go over there on a Sunday and, uh, you know, check it out and says they have like an open house and you can meet the guys and see some airplanes. So, you know, being at that point, probably 13, 14 years old, I was like, Oh, that, that sounds great. You know? Um, so I went over there and, uh, well, you know, 15 years later, here I am. <laughs> I, I never left the airport. So, um, I actually kind of got my start, uh, in, uh, aviation really through the EAA and young Eagles program. I'm sure you guys are probably aware of what that is. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got my start. I started just kind of hanging out and, uh, you know, hanging with the guys, listening to, uh, you know, war stories, um, all that fun stuff. And uh, they started taking me up. And then I kind of decided that, hey, this is something I'm like really, really interested in now and started pursuing um, pursuing a license. And, uh, you know, long and short, uh, just about the time I was about ready to graduate high school, I got my private pilot's license. And then I started flying Young Eagles to try to kind of give back to the next, uh, the next young crop of, uh, young guys, the guys and gals that were coming through. So that was pretty awesome. And, uh, I kind of just kept pursuing it. Um, and here I am, uh, really, I was kind of going civilian route for a while and then, uh, I kind of found myself in the coast guard, which, uh, it's been kind of an awesome, awesome ride, uh, through its ups and downs, but it's, it's been great. So that's really how I got my start. And, and it's, uh, you know, which is actually a great segue into the next question. Um, but what, what actually made you decide to join the Coast Guard? Now I know the Coast Guard, um, has always had a a big presence in Sacramento. Um, but you know, what, 
what led you to join the Coast Guard, you know, as opposed to another branch of the military, despite the fact that, in my opinion, the Coast Guard is the best branch. So go well, on. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, it's the best branch. <laughs> but um, it, uh, it actually, um, I wish there was a really awesome story. It was almost kind of by accident, really. Um, my dad was in the Air Force. Um, and so I don't want to say there was pressure. But, you know, I think there was always like, you know, hey, you know, you should really check out the, uh, the Air Force Academy. And so I kind of took a look at that um, towards the end of my high school years, um, you know, kind of looked at potentially getting in a flying program through the air force, but it just, it never really kind of took hold for me. Um, you know, I, I played around with the idea in my head, trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. And, uh, yeah, so I was back and forth with myself and it was kind of funny. I had a, a friend of mine who was interested in becoming a coast guard rescue swimmer. So he had been doing quite a bit of, uh, quite a bit of work, um, online doing some research. And he said, Hey Zach, you know, uh, you, you really ought to take a look at the coast guard, you know, it's something that you might be interested in. Um, and so I, you know, kind of took him up on, uh, took him up on it and I, I checked it out. And of course, yeah, being from Sacramento and going to air shows, um, you know, of course the C one thirties were always kind of a, a centerpiece at those air shows. The, uh, the H models there, I kind of, you know, always, had a like gleam in my eye when I looked at him. I was like, oh man, that's awesome. It's just an all time favorite plane of mine. So, um, I did some that research, Allison looked into it. Yeah. Oh, well, and then especially them backing it up into a parking spot. It was, it was pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. So, uh, I kind of was like, wow, that, uh, that actually seems pretty awesome. And, uh, I, uh, looked at a, a, a program called C spy, uh, the college student pre-commissioning initiative, um, it was in its infancy when I was in it, um, but uh, it's a lot more established now. But basically, it's kind of like a pseudo Coast Guard ROTC. The Coast Guard, of course, doesn't really have its own ROTC because it's such a small branch. But it's kind of a way for college students um, to get into the Coast Guard and kind of basically get a, uh, a guaranteed spot in Coast Guard OCS. Um, and so I applied for it, and uh, lo and behold, they actually selected me which was, <laughs> I was like, wow, I didn't really even see that coming. And, uh, really that's kind of how it took off was it was almost by accident that my buddy said, Hey, you should check this out. I kind of stumbled into it. And then, um, you know, here I am eight years later looking back and like, wow, <laughs> that was awesome. Um, you know, I couldn't be more honored and happy with, you know, the choice that I made and the, the way that things just kind of worked out. It was really awesome. That is awesome, man. And, you know, of course, it you know it's no secret that you know the coast guard c-130 is by far my favorite plane i mean obviously i grew up around them um ryan knows that zach you know that um yep. so uh, you know i'm i'm somewhat biased but uh just growing up around the coast guard c-130 with my father i mean it's by far my favorite you'll always <laughs> love it but what is it like living my dream of flying the C-130 <laughs> for the Coast Guard <laughs> so that I can live it vicariously through your experience. Because that's the only yeah, I feel thing like, I feel I'm like we should just let you guys have a moment here. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Cue let me go get my car to heart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, the, the C-130, it's, um, it, it is an absolutely awesome aircraft. And, I mean, it, it really is uh, – and, I, you know, I'm not trying to – not trying to uh, – burn anything with you there mark but it, it definitely the you know my favorite aircraft growing up as well it's just something about it though not really sleekness of it but it's just kind of looks mean and and everything and i, I just really really love it so um 
getting the honor to fly it, not only fly the C-130, but the uh, newest model of the C-130 is, uh, I mean, it, it's definitely my dream come true. And, um, it, it's, it's, it's almost surreal, um, really, because you're, you know, you're in this, this rather large aircraft with just an absolute ton of power. And, um, you know, you're sitting out in front of this thing and it's, I don't know, I, I can't, it, I, I can't even explain it, you know, in words. It's just, um, it, it's an awesome, awesome, uh, feeling, you know, to be in this thing to, uh, just all that, all the capabilities it has and everything else. It's just an absolute dream come true. We'll just rub it in. Just rub it no, in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what was the, uh, what was the training like, um, for the C-130 now, uh, Ron had talked about that, you know, he trained with the, uh, with the T-6 Texan and the, the TH-57, of course, before, uh, going to the, uh, Hilo airframe, but what was yep. the training process like for you? Um, so, uh, the, as far as mine, it, or as far as the fixed wing training is concerned, um, really, it, it's very much identical to uh, to Ryan's. I mean, we were both at Whiting Field at the same time. Um, I actually um, didn't go through the IFS, the initial stage of flight training, because I had already had a pilot's license. So the uh, the Navy and Coast Guard allows you to waive that if you already have flight experience. So I was able to go right into the uh, into API and all the uh, the tests. And uh, really, like kind of the ground school phase of stuff, along with the survival swim that I know Ryan talked about on the on the uh, previous episode. Um, and then uh, you know you roll right into primary flying the uh, the T six Texan two, which is just an absolute amazing aircraft in, in of its own. Especially uh, myself coming you know from flying one fifties and one seventy twos to now you're flying something with eleven hundred horsepower and an ejection seat. And it was kind of like a, a a real kick in the pants when you push the power lever up on it the first time. Um, so that was awesome. And then really from there, uh, we, we split, um, uh, for multi-engine fixed wing, the, uh, the training actually moves to Corpus Christi, Texas, and the uh, aircraft is the T-44, which is just the variant of the, uh, King Air C-90. Um, there are, uh, there are two different, um, two different squadrons there at Corpus Christi, NAS Corpus Christi that fly, uh, King Airs. They fly the 200 series, um, and then I flew the T-44 Charlie, which is basically a late 70s model King Air um, that has been basically upgraded as far as its avionics are concerned. So um, it's very much analog in the uh, in the engine department, um, but it has basically a glass cockpit in it, which was awesome. And it really much more applicable to what I'm flying now, which was awesome. I didn't have to go back to the steam gauges um, and then relearn glass. So you spend about eight months in uh, Corpus Christi basically learning contacts again. So you're basically learning how to fly um, a, just a new type of aircraft, aircraft with, uh, you know, more than one engine on it. So they'll, uh, they'll pull back engines on you. There's a lot more emphasis in, um, in emergency procedures and then um, a whole lot more emphasis in instrument flying, which is really a lot of what we do now um, with the C-130. So it's, it's very much, much applicable. Um, and, uh, yeah, so really from there, uh, you will go to your air station once you select your airframe, um, or well, the coast guard selects your airframe for you. You just kind of <laughs> tell them what you want. Um, and sometimes you're lucky and sometimes you're not as lucky. Um, you're flying regardless. So it's all good in the end. Um, I felt like I was extremely lucky, um, to, you know, get to fly the C-130J. Um, and I, I actually had a, a, a pretty unique uh, transition into the C-130J as far as the Coast Guard is concerned. And I think, Jay, you'll appreciate this. Um, I actually learned to fly the J from the Royal Canadian Air Force. 
Nice. Um, so me and uh, one of the uh, one of my good good friends, uh, John, we uh, spent three months in uh, Trenton, Ontario, Canada, over there, um, yeah. learning with the uh, learning the J model with the Royal Canadian Air Force and their in uh, their squadron, their tactical squadron. Yeah, well, one of my one of my videos recently for uh, Cafe members was uh, interviewing uh, one of the guys from Trenton. Actually, they had the C one thirty over here in Perry Sound, which we have a very small field, uh, but they just kind of go around to different fields that they know they can land and take off from. Oh yeah, uh, just to familiarize themselves with the with the airport and with the area, and they do a bunch of Sartex stuff, and then they go. And while they're here having lunch, they'll give you a tour of the airplane and chat with you. And it was very cool. Yeah. Those guys are really awesome. You know, and I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to the, uh, to the, uh, Royal Canadian air force, you know, for really what they, what they were able to teach us and, you know, just basically accepting us as, you know, one of their own, you know, even though we're the, the crazy people to the South, <laughs> um, it was, it was really awesome getting to, uh, learn a new aircraft and getting to learn a new aircraft in, you know, in another country, I mean, as much as it's very much Canada's very much similar to the United States, um, a lot of it's obviously different. And uh, it was really, really cool getting to spend, you know, tons of time in the Sims with them in ground school, um, you know, and really making lifelong friends with a lot of the guys up there, both the instructors and other students alike. So, um, you know, and it, it gave us kind of a, a different taste of the C-130 than most uh, most Coasties are really, uh, you know, really understand. We did a lot more tactical type stuff. Um, that we don't really get to do in the Coast Guard. So that was kind of a cool eye-opening thing, um, you know, to get to see and do. Um, but really from there, we uh, we came back down to Elizabeth City, did a uh, short differences course, which was really just kind of like, okay, uh, the Canadian, the Royal Canadian Air Force procedures aside, this is how we fly the C-130J in the Coast Guard. And, you know, we did a couple of simulator uh, flights and then basically went right to the plane and, uh, you know, took it for a spin around the pattern and did uh, about eight flights in that. And then, you know, basically you got your letter and two days later, you're, you know, you're a line pilot flying search and rescue. Um, so it was kind of a, it's kind of like a, a trial by fire experience really where uh, you, uh, you're, you know, you're training in this environment and then all of a sudden, bam, you know, you're, uh, you're flying the mission. There's, um, you know, there's not this really long extended, like, uh, fleet replacement squadron, uh, or rag, like, uh, an Orion touched on, on the last episode as well, that, uh, there's a lot of kind of training and training and training and a little bit of flying and training. Whereas the coast guard, you know, they, uh, we're so small that they, they need us. So, uh, you know, we train and then bam, you're, you're doing it. You're, you know, you're in it. So it's, uh, it's been a really cool, really cool trip, uh, along the way but um yeah I'm, I'm extremely happy to be flying it now from what i've heard uh as far as the j model is concerned that you guys have to do a qual a dual qual um with transitioning from the hud as the pfd down to the dash as the pfd and um is that is that pretty close to accurate or um, well, so the, the C-130J is obviously certified with the HUD as part of it. Um, so really it wasn't a trans, I mean, it, it was more of a personal transition, I guess, you know, from flying something that has, you know, a, a typical six pack in or a PFD. And then now you're basically having to be forced to look through this, this HUD, which, you know, looking back on it now, I was like, man, I don't know how I ever flew without a HUD before. I mean, it's almost cheating with all the information that's right in your field of view. Um, but initially, you know, when you're still trying to learn a new aircraft and then you're kind of forced to re 
learn the way you kind of do your scan and the way you look at things. Um, it was almost kind of a, it was a more of a challenge really than it was anything. Um, so it, it was kind of just built into the program where it was just an expectation that, Hey, you're, you're going to figure this out, figure out this HUD thing. And, uh, you know, you're going to make it work. So I wish there was probably a little more of a transition, you know, the first time I got in the plane where I, I flew with the PFD, but it was actually the other way around. It was okay. This is a HUD. This is what all this stuff means. Now put it to use. <laughs> so it was Whereas kind of the, interesting. Uh, H pilots, <laughs> they don't have that luxury. Oh yeah, the, the H pilots. It's yeah. I mean, it's definitely tough from them. We we have a number of uh, of H pilots that have uh, transferred over to the J, and you know, I get the uh, a lot of that. Well, when I was in the H, you know, we didn't have any of this uh, cheating stuff. We just like were pilots and flew the plane, you know. And then uh, I think they realize, you know, it actually it is a challenge initially. Um, so I, I think they're a little more humbled by it after after a little while, and they do, you know, obviously eventually you know suck it up and uh or uh you know uh, acknowledge how awesome it is to to have a hud so <laughs> well you know now this of course is for both you and ryan and you know y'all got to fly together a lot while in elizabeth city you know whether it be in training or sar cases etc so you know let's let's talk a little bit about the role that each airframe actually plays so what is the purpose, uh, for example, in a SAR case of a, a multi-aircraft mission? Ryan, you want to you want to take it off? Yeah. So it's policy in in North Carolina, and it, and it varies a little bit from air station to air station. But at least in North Carolina, anytime you go over a hundred miles offshore in a helicopter, you have to have an escort and. The, the smartest choice there is to have a C-130 fly that escort. In different regions, it, that, that mileage varies, and it all has to do with survivability of, of the crew if they were to make an emergency landing in the water. But, um, but for Elizabeth City, it's 100 miles. And then any time that the weather was really bad or if there was a, you know exceptionally complex SAR case that was to come up where – you're talking multiple assets or a ton of different radio communications, anything like that. The pilot of the helicopter could always request uh, that the C-130 escort them out there. So the escort does uh, several things for us in the helicopter. Um, first and foremost, I mean, if you are that far offshore in in a single helicopter, that's that's a lot of ocean. You know, that's uh, – that you're really out there and having that C-130 overhead is a great feeling. You know, um, you don't feel quite as alone out there, especially when it's bad weather or it's the middle of the night and bad weather, knowing that they're there and, and they have your back is an incredible feeling. Um, but they do, but they do a ton. Um, they can help us with fuel calculations, making sure that the numbers we're running are making sense and we're not just, uh, doing some faulty mental math at three in the morning. Um, they are an excellent communications platform because, uh, you know, a lot of times we'll be going out there fairly low over the water. It's just the way we operate, especially if we're conducting a search. And 300, 500, even 1,000 feet over the water, when you're talking that far offshore, you, you lose communications with home base or, or really – anyone air traffic control uh, you you lose that pretty quick and having the c-130 overhead 
uh, you know, however high they are at, generally they can maintain communications with uh, with the mainland and also with us and continue to search and do their job as well. Um, like I said, in the unfortunate circumstance that if we ever had to make an emergency landing, if we ever had to ditch, um, they'd be right there on top of us to to drop rafts and, and water and supplies and and do their best to to keep us alive as 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 bad as that sounds i mean that's the reality that we work in but they they would be right over the top of us until someone else could come out and get us which is a which is great and then the last thing that, that i'll say and, uh, and i'll let zach take over for a little bit is when we are talking 200 plus miles offshore especially without some kind of a, a lily pad for us to refuel on, be it a Coast Guard boat or a Navy boat or something like that. Um, the transit out and the transit back takes so much fuel that, you know, even with our, our five fuel tanks, we don't have a whole lot of time to uh, to brief up a boat or, or spend much time on scene conducting a hoist. So a lot of times what we'll do is they'll escort us out there to wherever we're going, be it a cruise ship or what have you. And, you know, 10, 15 minutes before we arrive at, at that at that position, the C-130 will go ahead. They'll brief up the vessel. They'll get an exact location and pack it, pass it back to us. And they'll get the, the vessel going in whatever course um, we ask them to, to drive on so that we can just basically get to the boat and pull into a hover and, and immediately start going through the hoist and, and not have to waste any time, pick up the patient, get our rescue swimmer back and, and immediately head back home. So, um, from our perspective, it's, it's truly phenomenal. Um, and, and that's just the escort piece of it. You know, the, the other side of it is they can go out ahead of us, locate what we're trying to look for, and uh and then pass that position back to us as well which that's actually what happened uh i think i briefly talked about it last time when the f-18s collided and and we threw pretty much every aircraft we had at trying to go get those guys the first the first coast guard asset on scene was a c-130 and they found the aviators they made a a drop pass and marked the location with uh with um flares and smoke and and that way the next cruise that came in all they had to do is just roll right into where that smoke was and took all the guesswork out of it so that's from our side of it i mean it, it's it's incredible the the camaraderie that that goes on between the two sides of the house yeah i mean and that definitely speaks for the teamwork uh that you know i mean obviously you guys are great friends um outside of work but you know that also just like you know like you were talking about the camaraderie and just makes for um, a great teamwork and shows the importance of teamwork as well as communication. So, you know, Zach, anything you wanted to add with that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, Ryan really did a great job. You know, he really touched on everything that, uh, at least I was thinking of, you know, we, I know we, we banter a lot back and forth, you know, between the, the rotary guys and the fixed wing guys, um, about, you know, what, obviously what platform is better, but, um, yeah, at, at the end of the day, you know, we're all on the same team. Um, you know, we're all, trying to accomplish the uh, the same mission and uh, i mean i obviously have never done a hoist before but i can only imagine the uh the stressors that ryan you know and um, other fellow helicopter uh, pilots and air crew go through when they're you know having to hover over a sailboat in the middle of the night you know in you know in 50 plus mile an hour winds um 
and uh, to have you know sector whoever kind of breathing down your neck wanting constant updates you know i know that we're able to really take that load off of the, the helicopter pilots they're able to focus a hundred percent on you know really getting getting the mission done at that point getting the people off of the boat or out of the water you know and stabilize and then start heading for home and uh, we can really take over that that communications aspect at it um and of course you know take take the video necessary uh one you know for the air medals for them later um but two you know if, <laughs> if, if, if there, you know if the it is a, if it is it ends up being like a mass casualty uh thing like there was the hms bounty that went down in hurricane sandy a number of years back um, a lot of that footage that we take uh, can aid in the investigation process as well in trying to determine what exactly happened um you know so that uh that kind of reconnaissance and uh, photography aspect of it's also extremely important, um, you know, not just for the for the awards or uh, recognition later on, but to, to again um, give uh, give everyone an idea of what what we're really facing out there um, when it comes to being you know four or five hundred miles offshore and uh, trying to execute a case. It's uh, it, it's good and it's also a good learning tool for a lot of us pilots after the fact that you know. If, things that we encountered, things that were maybe not as safe as they could be, that, that gives us a way to look kind of back on them and uh, change maybe uh, procedures or how we tackle certain things. So, um, yeah, but I, I think that's some of the best uh, best operational stuff we do is the multi, multi-aircraft stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's just absolutely great. It's a great thing. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, uh, the, we, are, we always used to joke that SAR for a C-130 is actually search and record, not search and rescue. But the, <laughs> there's some truth to the fact that getting that video is highly valuable. I mean, when I was going through my advanced SAR syllabus, one of the things that, that I did was the, one of the instructors back, back home, um, and I keep referring to Elizabeth City as home, but, you know, um, is we would look through some of the videos of the bounty case. We looked through some of the videos of some of the other rescues, some of the big rescues that have gone on. And there's so many valuable things that you can learn from, from watching some of that, um, that I think that's often, uh, an overlooked part of one of the many jobs that the, the Hercs do, but providing that, that documentation from, from a learning perspective, it's, it's invaluable as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we too there, we can, you know, kind of point out things for the 60 as well. Um, you know, uh, if there's outside factors that, that maybe they're not seeing because, you know, they're really focusing on doing the hoist, we can, um, you know, we can kind of point that out, you know, especially other traffic concerns, um, especially kind of brings to mind a case, you know, where especially being off the coast of North Carolina, Virginia, there's obviously a lot of recreational traffic, both boating and um, aviation, you know, and so, we uh, we kind of establish a pseudo safety security zone around kind of the area um, for the 60, you know, so that way we're not having to worry about traffic incursions. Um, and when we talk about real mass casualty type type stuff, where it's not maybe just one 60, but maybe a whole fleet of 60s or 65s, or maybe even Navy stuff. Um, and this kind of relates if you look back to like the Katrina area, where you know the Coast Guard aircraft both helicopters and airplanes were some of the first um, aviation assets back over the city. Um, we kind of take on the role of almost like a studio air traffic control. Um, we'll take on the, um, the responsibility of the on-scene commander where we're starting to kind of task 
the specific aviation helicopters or whoever else, um, hey, you guys need to focus on this area. Hey, you need to focus on that area. Um, and that way we're not having to worry about, you know, 60s or, you know, 60s and 65s potentially having uh, traffic incursions with each other, you know. So it's just another level of safety that we're able to do because we're kind of looking at the 10,000 foot level um, and they're able to be right there at the deck uh, concentrating on, you know, pulling the people out. So, yeah, we might not necessarily be the ones that are, you know, pulling the people off the rafts, but, uh, you know, there's there's definitely a an operational necessity for us being there too you know for some of the stuff like that well too bad the coast guard never went uh with the uh the full uh scissor nose scissor nosed uh c-130s i know sacramento had them but the scissors were removed yeah. uh back when <laughs> uh people would actually just launch a balloon they'd be sitting there just waiting for the herc to fly by uh get oh. that cable in between the scissors and then jerk them back to the ramp and then they're pulled in yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's awesome guys. And, you know, and Jason would agree. And so will our community, man, we appreciate what you guys do. Um, and everything that, you know, you do for the SAR. And, um, I know that you guys are involved a lot with drug interdiction and all of that international ice patrol. Um, so, you know, we definitely appreciate, um, you guys out there risking your lives, uh, you know, so that others may live or how I like to say it, basically, you know, saving dumb since 1790 so <laughs> <laughs> well, but, we do appreciate um, the support <laughs> <laughs> well you know ryan for you i mean what is it like when you guys are you know doing a formation flight um say a flight of two and you're constantly having to deal with the herc's wake i mean not to mention that you know that they have a coffee pot and lav on board while you guys don't <laughs> Yeah, rub it in, rub it in, <laughs> uh, and a microwave. <laughs> yeah, from for a formation flight, it's it's interesting because the C one thirty slowed back just about as slow as, as they're comfortable with going, and and we're hitting right at our max airspeed that that we're supposed to be flying. So it doesn't leave a whole lot of room for for uh, maneuvering aggressively which i guess you don't normally do in formation with the kind of formations that we fly anyway but um typically we're stepped up and unless you really get right sucked in close behind the c-130 you don't even feel the wake um hey, you know we we don't do any of the aero, aerial refueling so there's no need for us to get tucked in under the wing like that and so we we step up off of their wing and uh, offset a little bit to the right or to the left, depending on which side you're flying on. And and for the most part, you know, it's all clean air for us. Um, the bumpiest in, in the C-130 formations that I flew in, the bumpiest flying was when we were low over the ground, and and that was all from thermals. Um, so it it was it was pretty smooth actually. Yeah, you know, and, and some of the ones that I've done too, uh, Mark, especially is that we've actually in the C-130 been almost forming up on the 60. Um, we've kind of let the 60 take the lead and we've kind of just stayed, stepped back, you know, 500 feet, 1,000 feet above and back maybe a mile, um, you know, kind of watching them more than them watching us because that's really what we're there for, that the 60 is uh, the one really focused on doing, executing the SAR case and we're kind of there, you know, 
if stuff should really get real get nasty for the 60 crew so we've actually been more formed up off of the 60 than vice versa really um especially since in that particular configuration the 60 is probably more power limited than we are um you know because we could just throw up the power levers and you know basically climb out of anything um but uh, a lot of times we're doing like kind of like an s pattern behind them keeping them in constant sight um without really kind of flying past them um so that way we're just able to you know, hundred percent, keep our eyes on them both visually and electronically. It's so basically slow flight. Oh yeah. If we're, if we're doing the, the form out, out to a SAR case, uh, if we're going far enough that we have an escort and we are way too worried about fuel than to be flying, uh, flying wing off the C-130. Cause I'm sure, I don't know if you've done much, uh, formation flying, but whoever's not flying lead tends up burning, a lot more fuel just because they're making a bunch of corrections or maneuvering and yep. and for us it's like okay we'll hit our max specific uh max range specific airspeed and and peg that and try not to touch the power or make any kind of adjustments that are going to cause us to use more fuel than we have to and yep. and then just set it and go and the c-130 is you know doing s patterns behind us or circling overhead or you know making yep. snide remarks on the radio about how long it's taking <laughs> us to get out there <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean the, the i mean the truth of the matter is that really it's it's almost difficult uh to do formation flying especially on the the hour trip because i mean especially for us i mean we're we'd be really fat on gas um you know and so we're really not able to fly that slow um you know even with the flaps down and we really don't generally like to put the flaps completely out you know at 100 percent while we're doing that stuff because i mean really at that point you're just you're almost burning more gas trying to fly slow than you are just kind of a little bit cleaner maybe with like 50 percent flaps and yeah trying to do some s turns or doing an orbit kind of pattern over the top of them um granted you know if we throw a lot of gas you know full full bag of gas on the herc we can fly for basically twice as long <laughs> as the 60 can um, if not maybe even a little longer um but you know we, we obviously go out in a f um, with the idea that we need to remain in a very fuel conscious state especially when you're operating you know five six seven hundred maybe even up to a thousand miles offshore um that we we don't want to just burn burn gas just because you know we want to try to conserve as much gas and you know if we come back home and we land and we have you know twenty five thousand pounds on board hey that's that's all right you know so um that's kind of what our thoughts are that's cool man you know this is and this is great for our community i mean they're uh, this is just giving a better understanding of what you guys do regularly and all that's involved with everything so um but you know zach I can't help but ask, uh, not so much on the SAR case, but during, uh, during, you know, training or whatever, have you ever just wanted to have the, uh, the loader drop master, you know, lower the ramp with, uh, with Ryan, you know, and the helo crew back in tow, light up the grill while all they can do is watch. <laughs> yeah. A, a little, a little part of me kind of wants to rub it in every once in a while, you know, just like, uh, you know, and that kind of gets back to the whole banter back and forth. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely, because of, of of course we uh, we tend to rub it in um, as best we can. You know, about the fact that we have hot coffee in a microwave, and you know, we can get up out of our seat and go walk a mile if we want to, or <laughs> you know, and they're kind of stuck. But you know, it's funny you know thing what? that the worst <laughs> the worst thing though is not even the food. It's not even the walking around. It's the fact that you guys never have to wear dry suits and we're stuck in those <laughs> things so long. 
That is true. That's the worst that is, part. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. I mean, I see you guys looking like you're getting ready to go to space, and I'm just – I kind of have to laugh and uh, and walk it off. But, you know, I, I got to give it to the 60 guys, you know. I mean, being being in their seats for as long as they are with not – you know, without it, being able to really stretch their legs or, you know, be able to go to the bathroom. And that's, uh, that's some next-level stuff there. So uh, as much as I, I got to give them some uh, – I got to give them <laughs> – uh, give them some crap i gotta also take my hat off to them um because they, they obviously do an absolutely phenomenal job and, and actually it's kind of funny because we had a, a medevac case um we went and had to grab uh, three people off of a sailboat and uh, they had to uh, lily pad uh off a uh, navy supply ship to get there they didn't have enough gas with the way the winds were to get out there and back uh, so they lily padded off a Navy boat, went out there, did the hoist, and then were able to make it all the way back to Elizabeth City. And, uh, you know, of course, it was really early in the morning. I want to say it was like 2 or 3 o'clock. Um, so, you know, it's it's pitch black out there with NVGs on. You're, my, you're, you know, starting to see a little bit of the sun. And the 60 guys uh, go and land on this uh, Navy boat, you know, get some gas, don't really shut down. They're able to get up, you know, get out of the aircraft uh, one at a time and use the bathroom. And they take back off and, you know, someone makes a joke. They're like, well, how's that coffee? I was like, oh, the coffee's not bad. It's like, well, they uh, they cooked us up a full breakfast down here on the ship and gave it to them. So these guys <laughs> were snacking on, you know, hot breakfast burritos <laughs> with fresh bacon and eggs. And we were kind of just like, all right, touche. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> the one time in history that it paid out. But it happened. <laughs> Why it's sticking with me but so it again, happened. it's like the one time. <laughs> But before, um, you know, before we start wrapping everything up, um, Zach, you know, what's next for you in the Coast Guard? Um, well, I, uh, this is, uh, Air Station Elizabeth City has been my first, um, at least pilot tour. Um, I've done some other stuff in the Coast Guard prior to becoming a pilot, but, um, um, my, uh, my eyes are, you know, kind of on Kodiak, Alaska's next. The, uh, the Coast Guard is in the process of trans, uh, transitioning Air Station Kodiak, from C-130H models to C-130J models um, over the next couple of years. And being that Elizabeth City is the only uh, only air station in the Coast Guard with Js, they got to come from somewhere. Um, so I'm, I'm pigeonholed. Luckily, I'm, I'm happy with being pigeonholed that I'm going to probably be going to Kodiak. And uh, I'm, I'm extremely excited about the opportunity to go up there and, you know, to fly in Alaska, some of that just different challenging, you know, weather patterns that they have up there and different cases that they have. Um, I couldn't be more excited to, uh, you know, uh, get up there and try it out. So, I mean, that's, that's really the next thing for me, um, is going up there for, uh, for a couple of years and, and trying my hand at the Alaskan life. <laughs> I think it'll be pretty good. Jason, you hear that? I mean, how many times have we heard Alaska, Alaska, Alaska on our shows? Ooh, a lot. And you know, so, it doesn't, it doesn't, not surprising since we've interviewed people that live in Alaska, but yeah. Well, yeah, but you know, it, it's still, it's, it, it we're here in Alaska, Alaska, Alaska. The so we definitely got, we've got to, it, it's a sign we've got to get up there. So sounds good. Uh, and for our listeners, uh, you know, we are taking sponsorships. So anyone who wants to sponsor Flightcast <laughs> going to Alaska, exactly. Uh, exactly. our Instagram is at Flightcast audio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, now, I still um, thought you guys were going to come to Traverse. When's that happening? Well, oh, you, going to oh you thought we were serious. Backburner Travers. <laughs> yeah, sorry, you thought we were serious. This is uh, a little awkward. Yeah, uh, I was going <laughs> to come up and uh, take a John boat out on the lake, 
you know, with maybe <laughs> half a can of fuel He's calling and get stranded. I mean, that way I can get a flight in my H60. So, um, <laughs> you know, you guys, the other day, you guys got to fly the C-130 on infinite flight. Oh, and yeah. uh, <laughs> let me say, guys, it was absolutely hilarious and cracking me up. I mean, <laughs> first, first, Ryan, you know, he, he spawns in a C-17, which is the one aircraft that we have that, that definitely needs a major overhaul um spawns over in the cargo area the active runways are the 2024s he taxis over to the 07s um so i'm (laughs) laughing right off the bat um what you know and he's like well i'm used to just taking off from the ramp well whatever whatever so uh what what'd you guys think of uh of the c-130 in infinite flight have at it, Ryan. <laughs> uh, well, you know, once I managed to figure out where the runway was, it was awesome. Um, I was obviously I was using it on my phone, not a, not a tablet, so that presented. That's what I'm going to blame the whole runway ordeal on. Um, but <laughs> no, the the graphics were phenomenal. The fact that we were able to get all three of us. I think at one point we were all flying formation in three different C-130s. Um, For about three seconds before y'all broke away and started doing <laughs> uh, a demo and maneuvers and everything else. Why did Ryan have to make sure that it could do an aileron roll? <laughs> yeah, watching two kids, you know, on a brand new playground they've never been to. That's what it looked like. So. <laughs> yeah, it was a blast. <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I got to say, uh, you know, obviously from a C-130 perspective and actually flying the thing, um, I, you know, I, it was it was extremely close. And I, I too, uh, I was actually on I was on duty um, sitting at my desk um, when I was giving it a shot. And um, so, of course, I'm like in my flight suit and, uh, you know, giving this thing a whirl. And it, it was fun. I, it, the resemblance to the actual plane is 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 phenomenal but just the way that it handles and everything um it, it, it it's extremely extremely close i mean it, um, I, I couldn't be more happy with it and i was definitely uh it took me back a little bit too i was i was excited and you know getting back into that kind of flight simulator video game thing just, i kind of I, I was definitely enjoying myself and it was cool too because you have the uh you have the 2003 um that you have modeled on there and uh we actually just got the 2003 back from a, a major overhaul. And so uh, flying that and then walking out to the hangar and uh, there it is just sitting in there. Um, that, that was pretty cool too. I got to say, um, I definitely, uh, I definitely like the, uh, the choice of numbers you put on it. Yeah. That's why so basically I actually what put... I'm hearing is you can do an aileron roll in a C-130. So I don't know why that <laughs> happened yet. I can, yeah, I've, I've, I've done it now. I've, uh, well on the sim, but um, yeah, I, I put the 2003 in there. One, because it's from Elizabeth City, and that's where I'm from. Uh, two, 2003, uh, I believe that was also the 100th um, J model um, that was uh, that came off the flight line. So it kind of had a, um, some meaning to it, and as well as uh, flying over uh, the Wright Brother Memorial in North Carolina, uh, which you've probably seen some of the, uh, the pictures um, of the 2003 um, flying over during one of the anniversaries. So... Um, pretty cool, pretty cool about that, but glad you guys enjoyed that and, and got to fly and we'll definitely need to fly again soon sometime. So absolutely. Yeah. It know. was a blast. Yeah, I really sure. appreciate you uh, getting us on there. Yeah. Well, Jason, anything that, uh, that you'd like to add? 
No, I think you've done an awesome job, Mark. Thanks for doing well, this. Well, I know I have. I mean, that goes without <laughs> saying, but thank you. Uh, guys, we <laughs> usually like to let people give a little shout-out if they want to uh, or make it, our listeners aware of anything, any Instagram uh, accounts or anything like that. Um, Ryan got a chance to do that last time. Zach, anything you want to make people aware of today or uh, last story you want to share? Yeah, and well, for uh, and I know Mark has definitely been following me a little more because I'm the the new kind of C130 Instagram guy on the block. Um, I haven't been having my Instagram account for too too long, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoy taking pictures of the plane and posting it. Um, so you know, feel free to find me on Instagram. I'm uh, Z underscore Tack T A C K. Um, I, I absolutely love sharing. I love talking about the plane. Obviously, if that wasn't evident <laughs> in my uh, my just rambling on here, I apologize for that, but. Uh, uh, one other thing too is I just want to kind of just you know take a shout out to the all the especially younger guys and girls that are you know aspiring young pilots um, you know both fixed wing rotor balloon it doesn't matter um, you know just uh, keep up the hard work follow your dreams um, you know I I couldn't have imagined you know 15 years ago that I'm I'm sitting where I am now but uh, you know uh, I, I hate hearing that uh, you know talking to some uh, talking to some older guys that, Hey, you know, I wish I had gotten my pilot's license and, uh, you know, I wish I had done this or that, you know, don't, uh, don't do that. If it's, if you have the opportunity to do it, you know, jump, jump on it. You know, there's plenty of, plenty of guys out there that would love to take you flying or, you know, just sit and talk airplanes with you. So if you have the dream to fly, you know, don't, uh, don't sideline it. You know, there's tons of avenues out there. So, uh, keep working at it. Very nice. So basically when you were at your desk, I just thought about this. Did you have? Did you put on the Bose headset as well? <laughs> uh, if I had way, if I had a way to plug my uh, to plug my headset into my phone to uh, to actually do that, I probably would have. And uh, some of the other pilots probably would have also walked by and seen me and kind of like scratched their head and been like, "Dude, what are you? What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> awesome. They 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 say that anyway, though. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm I'm weird anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the reason you know Zach that you and I uh, were actually uh, introduced was because of Ryan uh, when he first told me that he was transferring to Traverse City. Um, you know, I'm like, dude, what am I going to do for my C130 fix now? All right, well, <laughs> let me tell you who you need to follow. So. <laughs> well, yeah, shout out to Ryan for sure, man. I mean, oh, Ryan, I mean, I couldn't have more positive things to say about Ryan. That guy is is awesome. So if there's <laughs> if there's anybody out there that's looking for uh, looking for uh, a mentor, uh, man, Ryan Ryan is the guy. He's got his stuff together. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. oh yeah, prepare for the emails now. <laughs> that's the blind leading the blind right there. <laughs> yeah. I fly with my eyes closed. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Just kidding. That you're was a joke. Admit that. You're not supposed to admit that. Cool. <laughs> well, guys, thanks so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. Everyone, don't forget to check out Flightcast Cafe for bonus content from this and other episodes, as well as our Fly and Dine this evening. Check out Zach and Ryan on Instagram. You can find them at Z underscore TAC, or if you're in the States, Z underscore TAC, that's T-A-C-K, and Ryan.web, and that's Ryan with a W. For lots of great Coast Guard and aviation photos, including the C-130 and MH-60. Thanks for listening. Be sure to download Infinite Flight in the App Store or Google Play. For more on the podcast, visit flightcast.audio and be sure to subscribe on iTunes or YouTube. You can find us on social media at flightcastaudio.
Flightcast is brought to you by Linkhouse Media on the web at linkhousemedia.com. To cover the fine print, Flightcast is not affiliated with Infinite Flight or Flying Development Studio. I'm Jason Rosewell. Leading the charge today was Skyhawk Heavy Mark Denton. Thanks for listening and happy landings. Thank you.